Is God on America's side? Kirby Anderson warns us not to think we're a 21st century version of Israel. Now on Probe. Is God blessing America? Will God bring judgment against America? These are questions I often hear, and yet rarely do we hear good answers to these questions. Now, part of the reason is that Christians haven't really studied the subject of blessings and judgment. This week, we're going to deal with this difficult and controversial subject. While we may not be able to come to definitive answers to all these questions, I think we will have a better understanding of what blessings and judgment are from a biblical perspective. Now, when we think about this topic, often we're in two minds. On the one hand, we believe that God is on our side in blessing us. After the attacks on 9-11, for example, we launched into a war on terror, and we're generally convinced that God was on our side. At least we hope that he was. On the other hand, we also wonder if God is ready to judge America. Given the evils of our society, isn't it possible that God would judge America? Haven't we exceeded what other nations have done that God has judged in the past? In his book, Is God on America's Side?, Erwin Lutzer sets forth seven principles we can derive from the Old Testament about blessing and cursing. We'll look at these in more depth in the rest of the week, but we should first acknowledge that God, through his prophets, clearly declared when he was bringing judgment. In those cases, we have special revelation to clearly show what God was doing. We do not have Old Testament prophets today. But that doesn't stop Christians living in the church age from claiming, often inaccurately, that certain things are a judgment of God. In the 1980s and 1990s, we heard many suggest that AIDS was a judgment of God against homosexuality. In my book, Living Ethically in the 90s, I said that it did not look like it was a judgment from God. First, there were many who were engaged in homosexual behavior who were not stricken with AIDS. Many male homosexuals and nearly all lesbians were AIDS-free. Second, it struck many innocent victims, those who contracted disease from, say, blood transfusions. Was AIDS a judgment of God? I don't think so. When Hurricane Katrina struck New Orleans in 2005, people called into my talk show suggesting that this was God's judgment against the city because of its decadence. But then callers from the Gulf Coast called in to say that the hurricane devastated their communities, destroying homes, businesses, and churches. Was God judging the righteous church-going people in the Gulf Coast? Was Hurricane Katrina a judgment of God? I don't think so. This week we're going to look at blessings and judgments that are set forth by God in the Old Testament so that we can understand what they are. This has been Probe with your host, Kirby Anderson. To get your free copy of Kirby's script, Blessings and Judgments, go online to probe.org. And join us next time here on Probe. In his book, Is God on America's Side?, Erwin Lutzer sets forth seven principles we can derive from the Old Testament about blessing and cursing. The first principle is that God can bless and curse a nation. When we sing, God bless America, do we really mean it? I guess part of the answer to that question is what do most Americans mean by the word God? We say we believe in God, but many people believe in a God of their own construction. In a sense, most Americans embrace a God of a civil religion. This is not the God of the Bible. R.C. Sproul says that this God of the civil religion is without power. He says, quote, he is a deity without sovereignty, a God without wrath, a judge without judgment, and a force without power, unquote. We have driven God from the public square, but we bring him back during times of crisis like 9-11, but he is only allowed off the reservation for a short period of time. 
We sing God bless America, but do we really mean it? Nearly every political speech in every State of the Union address ends with the phrase, May God bless America. But what importance do we place in that phrase? Contrast this with what God said in the Old Testament. God gave Israel a choice of either to be blessed or to be cursed. It says, See, I am setting before you today a blessing and a curse, the blessing if you obey the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you today, and the curse if you do not obey the commandments of the Lord your God, but turn aside from the way that I am commanding you today to go after other gods that you have not known. We should acknowledge that Israel was unique because it had a covenant with God. America does not have a covenant with God, but it does seem that if the principle of blessing and cursing can apply to nations today, then it certainly could apply to the United States. A second principle is that God judges nations based upon the amount of light and opportunity they are given. The Old Testament is a story of Israel. Other nations enter the story when they connect with Israel. And because Israel had a unique relationship with God, the nation was judged more strictly than its neighbors. God was more patient with the Canaanites. It took 400 years before the cup of iniquity was full and then judgment fell upon them. Likewise, Paul points this out in Romans 2. So I think we can see that a nation that is given the light of revelation will be held to a greater account than a nation that is not. In his book, Is God on America's Side?, Erwin Lutzer sets forth seven principles we can derive from the Old Testament about blessing and cursing. The third principle is that God sometimes uses exceeding evil nations to actually judge those that are less evil. Israel was blessed with undeserved opportunities, yet they were disobedient. And God reveals to Isaiah that God would use the wicked nation of Assyria to actually judge Israel. It says, Ah, Assyria, the rod of my anger, the staff in their hands is my fury. Against a godless nation I send him, and against the people of my wrath I command him to take spoil and seize plunder and tread them down like the mire of the streets. As I mentioned earlier in this week, Christians are often of two minds when they think about America. On the one hand, they believe America is a great country. We have been willing to rebuild countries after war and natural disaster. American missionaries travel the world, and Christian broadcasts actually present the gospel to the world. On the other hand, America is a decadent We are the leading exporters of pornography and movies that celebrate sex, violence, and profanity. We have aborted more than 50 million unborn babies. Our judicial system banishes God from the public life. Will God use another nation to judge America? A fourth principle is that when God judges a nation, the righteous suffer with the wicked. A good example of this can be found in the book of Daniel. When God brought the Babylonians against Judah, Daniel and his friends were forced to accompany them. We can also see this parallel in man-made and natural disasters. Whether it is a terrorist attack or a hurricane or a tsunami, we see that believers and non-believers die together. We live in a fallen world among fallen people, and thus we can see that both moral evil and physical evil can destroy lives and property in an indiscriminate way. A fifth principle is that God's judgments take various forms. Sometimes it results in the destruction of our families. We can see this in God's pronouncement in Deuteronomy 28. When the Israelites were forced to leave their homes and go into foreign lands, the warnings were fulfilled. Today we may not be forced into exile, but we can wonder if God is judging our families in the same way, and maybe even judging our immorality. 
we can see in Deuteronomy 28 that God said that he would bring those individuals and a nation against them. And when the ten tribes of Israel were exiled to Assyria, they were assimilated into the pagan culture and never heard from again. In his book, Is God on America's Side?, Erwin Lutzer sets forth seven principles we can derive from the Old Testament about blessing and cursing. The sixth principle is that in judgment, God's target is often his people, not just the pagans among them. Yet it is true that certainly God judges the wicked, but sometimes the real purpose of present judgments has more to do with the righteous than the wicked. Not only do we see this in the Old Testament, we also see this principle in the New Testament. For example, 1 Peter 4 says, For it is time for judgment to begin at the household of God, and if it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if the righteous is scarcely saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? This raises a good question. If judgment begins at the house of God, is the church today under judgment? Have Christians become too worldly? Have Christians become too political and thus dependent upon government rather than God? Have Christians become too materialistic? Sometimes the motto on our coins could actually not be, in God we trust. Instead, it could be, in gold we trust. A seventh and final principle is that God sometimes reverses intended judgments. We must begin with the observation, God's blessing on any nation is undeserved. There is always sin and evil in the land. When God blesses us, either individually or corporately, it is evidence of God's grace. But sometimes God calls for judgment, but then spares a nation. A good example of that can be found in the life of Jonah. God called him to that city to preach repentance for their sins. He did not want to go because it was the capital city of the Assyrians who had committed genocide against Israel. But when Jonah finally obeyed God, the city was saved from judgment. God also uses Old Testament prophets to preach to Israel, but the people didn't have the heart to care. Consider the ministry of Micah and Jeremiah. Actually, Micah preached a hundred years before Jeremiah and warned Judah that her wound is incurable. A century later, Jeremiah is brought before the priests and false prophets who want him killed. After hearing them, they appeal to the preaching of Micah. And the king Hezekiah listened to Micah's words and sought God who withheld judgment. Erwin Lutzer gives another example from 18th century England. In this case, the country was in decline, but God reversed the trend through the preaching of John Wesley and George Whitfield. This week we've been talking about blessings and judgment, and for the last few days we have been discussing seven principles that Erwin Lutzer discusses in his book, Is God on America's Side? Today I would like to conclude by returning to the questions about whether God is blessing or judging our nation. First, we must acknowledge that no nation can claim that God is on its side. In fact, there is a long and sorry history of nations that have claimed this. And the God is on our side mentality has done much harm throughout the history of the church. One writer says, instead of letting God be God, our sinful pride leads us to make such pronouncements that are not ours to make. In these cases, God is not sovereign. He is a mascot. As a nation, we must not claim that God is on our side. This is also true in the political debates we have within the nation. Richard Land, in his book, The Divided States of America, says, quote, What liberals and conservatives both are missing is that America has been blessed by God in unique ways. We are not just another country, but neither are we God's special people. 
I do not believe that America is God's chosen nation. God established one chosen nation and people, the Jews. We are not Israel. We do not have God on our side. We are not God's gift to the world, unquote. This brings us back to the famous quote by Abraham Lincoln, who was asked if God was on the side of the Union forces or the Confederate forces. He said, I do not care whether God is on my side. The important question is whether I am on God's side, for God is always right. Second, we should be careful not to quickly assume that a disease or a disaster is a judgment of God. Earlier this week, I gave examples of people wrongly assuming that AIDS or Hurricane Katrina was a judgment of God. We can take comfort in knowing that this isn't just a problem in the 21st century. Apparently, it was even a problem in the 1st century. The Tower of Siloam fell and killed a number of people, and it appears that those around Jesus thought that it was a punishment for their sins. He counters this idea by saying, Or do you suppose that those 18 on whom the Tower in Siloam fell and killed them were worse culprits than all men who live in Jerusalem? I tell you no, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. We should wisely refrain from too quickly labeling a disease or a disaster as a judgment of God, but we should also take to heart the words of Jesus and focus on our need for salvation and repentance.